0: Hey, thank you so much for joining us for this message from the 2020 series. But the 2020 series is much more than just a collection of messages. It's a faith step for us as a church as we end one year and begin a whole brand new decade, stepping out in faith with an offering for vision, for expansion, and to see God do more through the Fresh Life House. But that's not only those who attend in person at our 13 locations, that also includes you who join online as a part of our family digitally
1: from all 50 states and 156 countries, you're joining in and we're so thankful and amazed.
0: It really is incredible and we're grateful that every single week you're able to be blessed by these messages. Now we'd like to call upon you personally to be a part of extending the reach of our church and reaching more people. Would you consider a one-time offering or maybe even setting up recurring giving and being a part on a drip by drip basis and being a part of all that God is doing here at Fresh Life? We hope that you will join us and stand with us as we try and reach more people with the gospel and see people touched with the love of God. Thank you so much for considering that. You can do it at freshlife.church. Now enjoy this message from God's word. I, I, I've titled this message, Dream Come True. If you'd like to write down. This is not a message, though. It's just an encouragement. I'm gonna, it's not going to have points or anything or any like real intense moments. It's just going to... If you want the real message, come next week. This is, you're the message this week, all right? This is just an encouragement for us as we give. It says in Genesis 28, starting in verse 10, now Jacob went out from Beersheba. Someone just woke up. Beer? Sheba? Is that a place? A place full of beer? Can I get to the Sheba of beer? And went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and he put it at his head. And that's where headstone came from. Yeah, headstone? Just letting you know some stuff. And he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed. I have no idea if that's true. And behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there are the angels of God. What were there? What were there there that day? Angels of God. Can someone say awesome just to release the tension of what he saw that day? The angels of God ascending and descending on it on the stairway to heaven. (laughs) And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your descendants. Someone say descendants. descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth you shall spread abroad to the west, in the east, to the north, and the south. We could do a whole message series on the compass row sometime, this just from this verse. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. So awesome. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob arose early. We'll talk more about that last verse, by the way, next weekend. rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, his headstone, set it up as a pillar, and he poured oil on top of it. Pour one out for the homies is what he was doing, basically. <laughs> and he called the name of that place Bethel. Beth-el means house of God. Bethlehem, house of bread. El is one of the names of God, so Beth-el is house of God. The place previously had been named Luz, and I think the change was a good one, right? <laughs> then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going, if he gives me bread to eat and he gives me clothes to put on, then I'll be a ride or die with him forever, right? That's what he was saying. So that I may come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up as a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a 10th to you. Dream come true. You ever said that? Maybe you had just met someone that you really respected. It was a dream come true. And I'd always wanted to meet that person. Dream come true. Maybe it was a trip you took. You've been planning it forever, you know, the Maldives or Boston, or you know, wherever. Yeah, dream come true. How was that trip? Someone says to you when you get back to work, how was that? How was that 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 cruise? How was that time in Cancun? You go, dream come true. Always wanted to see Europe. Always wanted to go to Miami. Always wanted to. Always wanted to do that. I felt that the other day because I took my little boy snowboarding for the first time. We got this tiny little snowboard with a tiny little string attached to it, just so we can get the balance right. They won't let him ski on the chairlift till he's three. But I started skiing it, too. So I figured, we'll just get this little thing. So he stands on it, and I pull it, and he just falls off on the snow. And. But it was so fun, because you know, I was telling my wife, it really brings me nostalgia to be um, on a ski hill, because I grew up. My mom was a ski instructor for a while. And so I just grew up on ski hills. So being in the smell, just kind of like a mixture of chili, hot cocoa, and sweat when you're in the, you know, the base lodge. Just the, the wood, just the environment, the feel, the chair lifts, like it, all, it brings me back to me, being a little boy. So to be there with my son, and my daughters are up there skiing, and, and, and it's, I just felt like this is a dream come true, right? I'm, I'm standing in a dream. I pictured something. I couldn't have pictured it so pretty, and, and painful, and, and wonderful, and so many twists and turns of life. A dream come true. We look at our lives sometimes, we look at moments sometimes, and, and we declare of them, like Jacob did when he woke up, I didn't know you were here. This is, you're, you come here too, God, right? right. And we'll, we'll establish the context when we have more time together next week. But we can't appreciate Jacob waking up with tears in his eyes going, I thought I was all alone. But God was in this place. And I knew it not until we understand that he had a twin brother. And his twin brother was bigger than him. That's not cool. They're twins. But Esau was hogging all the good genes, right? I mean, it's true. He was strong and strapping, and no one walked like Esau. No one talked like Esau in a spitting contest. No one spits like Esau. He was burly and hairy and had a cleft chin. And, and Jacob's over there. You know, like, he got the small side of the placenta. and. <laughs> It's a small size, shallow end of the gene pool, right? He's like Scar, you know, but, 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 but he was crafty, right? So he, he couldn't match Mufasa in an arm wrestling match, but he was devious, and he was shrewd, and he had most recently tried to pull a fast one on his big, strong uh, brother Esau, and as a result, Esau had decided he was going to kill Jacob. But The mom overheard it and let Jacob know, your brother is going to kill you. He's like, ha, 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 mom. She's like, no, no, actually, I saw him sharpening a tomahawk. You need to go. <laughs> He's like, wait, now? She goes, yeah. Didn't have time to swing by REI and grab some provisions, right? Did not, did not pack, obviously, right? And is not a man of the woods, all right? Sinks Timberlake with the 2020 experience. Jacob was not ready for it, okay? <laughs> not ready for it at all. As you can tell from his choice of a pillow which he picked a rock, right? If any of you have ever gone camping and you were like just really roughing it, you, the, there would be a long list of things you would choose for a pillow before you would get to. You know that rock looks good. This was a man suited for not the wilderness, okay? He had spent the morning pinning some things, some recipes he wanted to cook, right? He was gonna swing by Urban Outfitters later, right? So when he found himself with no, just a clothes on his back, no ability to get through the wilderness to get to where he was trying to go, which was to his crazy uncle who was crazier than he was, you know? And he just finds, the sun sets. What, he, what can he do? He doesn't have a headlamp. He doesn't have an iPhone with a little light to be like, uh, right? So he's just, I'll just sleep here. There's a pillow. I'll just lay on this, on, this, on this pillow. Out of options, out of luck. And he thought he was out of God's reach until God showed up in his wilderness. How many of you believe God can show up in the wilderness places in your life? How many of you know that even today... There's not one thing, listen to me, that you've done, nowhere you've gone that's so bad that that God's like, well, forget you. He will reach you there in your wilderness place. He'll reach you there when when you've isolated yourself. He'll reach you there when you've burnt so many bridges you feel like you don't have anybody left in your life. And he's there for you. And Jacob says, dream come true. It's a dream come true to meet you here, God. I thought I was alone. Now I'm not. That's amazing. That's wonderful. And that is not at all, I believe, the point of this message you see when we say dream come true normally we're we're referring to something that's in the past something that happened or something that's happening now that was a dream come true oh this is a beautiful thing it's it's a dream i had and and now i'm i'm walking it's it's come true it's that dream i had here it is but there's another dream in this story and that's a dream that Jacob desperately wanted to come true and that dream was a dream about a stairway a stairway to A stairway that God showed him came from heaven down to earth, where Jacob was at, and ascending and descending, going up and down on the stairs were angels. And the angels ascending and descending were showing what God has always wanted, what God has always intended, and that is that we would have a way to get from Earth to where God is, a way to have a relationship with God, a way to have a connection with God, that God was going to drop the, the, the hatch from the attic so the stairs would come spilling down, and the angels would show the way that we could have a connection with God, which we lost at the fall, when the devil promised us that we would be able to see if we disobeyed. It turns out, we lost our vision. And we've been, we've been groping for God ever since, that botched LASIK surgery, that serpent promised to us in the Garden of Eden. We lost our vision that he said we were going to get. But God, through opening up the stairway, was going to open up, dilate the pupils of our soul so we would be able to see. And Jacob, seeing that, yeah, he was in a dream come true, knowing he wasn't alone. But seeing the dream, he wanted it to come true. So that's why I had them put the comma there. Because when you say, dream come true, it's almost passive. Like, wow, that's great. That dream came true. But when you look at it again, when you look at it with the comma, now it becomes you saying, dream, I want you to come true. Come on, dream come true. Jacob saw a preview of coming attractions, what God has always been working on a trap door from heaven opening up, the stairs piling down one upon the, uh, upon the other, a way for us to reconnect with God. And Jacob says, how can I be a part of that? How can I be a part of that? I want to get me some of that. I want that dream to come true, which is why we see him immediately choosing sacrifice, choosing generosity, declaring, I'll do what I need for that dream to come true. And I see three things. Did I say I wouldn't have an outline? I lied. All right, three (laughs) things in the passage that are necessary if we are to get behind, to act on a dream we've seen so that it could come true in the earth. Those three things are, number one, relentless drive. For a dream to come true, it takes relentless drive because it won't be easy, it won't be instant, and it won't be done in a moment. It's going to be a fight. God had announced the ladder from heaven, the stairway from heaven all the way back in Genesis 3. But we don't see it coming in Jacob's lifetime. We don't see it coming in his grandfather Abraham's lifetime. We don't see it happening in Jacob's 12 son's lifetime. It it, it was way off in the distance and so we would take relentless drive. And I see relentless drive in this passage. And the relentless drive does not belong to Jacob. It belongs to God. The relentless drive that we need to persevere in our part in this dream. Which, by the way, fresh life exists so that that ladder may be continually extended to people. Fresh life exists so that the stairway to heaven may be freshly illuminated and always open and always clear. We're pointing people to the stairway, pointing people to the ladder. So it it takes drive. But the drive that we need is exhibited by God. How good of him to provide us an example? In, In what way? in him seeking out Jacob. He came to Jacob to show him the ladder to bring the ladder to Jacob. That was what this was about this day. Jacob, the man on the run. Jacob, the man whose brother wanted to kill him. Jacob, the man who had, who had burnt so many bridges. Jacob, the man who had deceived his own father, Isaac, by putting hair on his arms to make him think that he was Esau. Jacob, who's here thinking, no one, no one, no one could want me. God comes to him. A man who's so pathetic, he's sleeping on a rock. Why? Because that's all that he had. What a picture he presents to us of someone at rock bottom. Rock bottom. And yet God comes to him. God comes to him proving that he has a heart that will stop at nothing to reach those who have nothing. Come on, can we be a people who follow his example, and may we have relentless drive stopping at nothing to reach those who have nothing? it said the greatest test of a man's character is how he treats someone who can do no favors for him. Anybody wants to help someone who can then quid pro quo, who can then help him out, one good turn to another. If I do this, can you do that? If I do that, can you do this? What will we do for the least of these? And really, one of the big emphases of this series has been, what will we do for the least of these? What can we do in this series for those who have, no, who have nothing to do for us, who, who, who have nothing to offer us, that we can simply seek out those with a relentless, dry, the forgotten faces of this world? Because that's the heart of our God when he came for us. We could do nothing for him, and yet he still sought us when we were a stranger to bring us back to the fold of God. One of my favorite projects of the 35, which is so rude to say because I don't mean it at all. They're all great. They're all great projects. But one that we haven't really talked about a lot is is what we're getting behind with water in, in this offering that comes in. Um, a while back, we introduced you to my friend Scott Harrison, who started a charity called Charity Water, great name. And they exist to bring clean water to people in the world. Jenny and I had the chance not too long ago to sit down at one of their dinners they had where they were raising money for some projects. In addition to the normal wells they're digging, they're also working to fix broken wells that other nonprofits have done throughout the world, dug throughout the world, but they used the wrong materials. If you don't use the right piping, they get built, turn on, everyone gets excited, stops having worms, stops dying of preventable disease. But then when the corrosiveness of the pipes kicks in because they don't stand up to the pH balance in the water, which is a big issue. Hello, Michigan, right? Which is a big issue. Uh, then people get sick and the, the wells turn off, and they go back to drinking from swamps again. So they recently raised some money and uh, got behind it. And they, at the event we were at, webcasted to Africa, and we got to watch live in real time as a well was turned on that had been taken away from people. And Jenny and I were in tears watching, watching people dance literally in the rain of this water coming down upon them and, and like lifting each other on the shoulders, pushing each other into the bushes. And I, I, don't, I can't show you that webcast because it was just a webcast. But I did ask if we could show you just a quick taste of what it looks like when a community gets water. Check this out. the cross right there. All right, so we had originally uh, planned to give and, and hopefully be able to get behind three wells, and that was our what we put on the website, that if we give it the level that we hope we will, all of us together, that we'll pick off three communities around the world and, and, and purchase uh, the equipment necessary for Charity Water to bring in local contractors to open up three wells so three villages could get water. Wouldn't that be great? Come on now. It'd be great. But after this dinner, knowing that there are places that have had water given to them, that now they're readjusting to life no longer with it, knowing what it tastes like, uh, God really put it on our hearts. And so I had the chance to catch up. And I hope someone's going to give, because in in a moment, you're going to see a conversation where I sort of committed us. So uh, (laughs) check this this out. Scott Harrison, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. Good to see you.
2: Oh, my gosh. Thanks for spending some of your Uber ride with us. Of course, man. I'm in I'm in Phoenix today, and I go home to New York City tomorrow.
0: Well, you guys just had a historic time as uh, as a charity. I mean, just with the thousand plus projects that got funded, there are well
2: projects around the world that got done, but they used the wrong equipment. About forty percent of the wells around the world are broken. Uh, the problem is, no one really knows which forty percent. Right, uh, so Charity Water spends a lot of time training the communities to make sure that they have the capacity, they know where to get the spare parts, and that they're all contributing a little bit of money into that rainy day fund. So when the well breaks and the mechanic comes out, they've got the couple hundred dollars. We went out and identified a thousand communities who had water and then lost it, and you know you just imagine the heartbreak of first of all drinking dirty water, you know, subiscus water. I mean, it's unthinkable
0: one out of 10 people in the world don't have access to clean water
2: exactly so 663 million people are drinking bad water
0: well i honestly and i couldn't help but thinking about just the significance of even in our lives things that at one point were running that have stopped and, and god wants them to f- run fresh again and you know Abraham redigging, uh, Abraham dug wells that got stopped up, and the Bible yeah. says Isaac redug out those wells. And so I, I feel just for us as a church, obviously, you know we, we love working with you, love what you guys are doing, love supporting that. But I feel like out of this 2020 offering that we're about to receive, that that God would have us to get behind your guys' efforts to redig out those wells. So what we want to do is, you said $6,000 per well, right, when they're broken?
2: It's about it's about half the cost to to do a new one because. You can use some of the parts that are still there. You're not starting over. So we're trying to do them right and then make a promise to these communities that uh, that we have their back. You know, they can call us 10 years from now if they really need it, and, and we're not going to just leave them in the lurch.
0: Well, we want to get behind that and do five of those projects out of our 2020 offering. Amazing. Amazing. And I just want to say thank you on behalf of everybody at Fresh Life all across our churches, just how grateful we are for what you've done, how you've you really just, how you followed God's dream for your life and how, how many millions of people you've changed their story when these wells are running with water again and just how much of a picture that is of the living water that's found in Jesus. So thank you so much for what you do, Scott.
2: It's been amazing to, to partner with the Fresh Life community. And as you know, you, uh, you have some of the very best people in the world uh, that, that care a lot about others and, and uh, you know want to use their resources just to be a blessing around the world. So thanks for, for letting us be a part of that
0: awesome. Well, be safe, be well, and thank you for all you do. All right. So including the five wells that we're going to fund and the 34 other nonprofits that we've identified who have projects that we feel like are just causes as well, least of these projects with Relentless Drive, uh, that's just short of half a million dollars in what we're going to do in this offering before we do a single thing that's going to actually physically bless or change our church's facilities, real estate... (laughs) Any of that. The clapping now, hopefully you're going to give too. Um, but it's a wonderful thing. And I think it's worthwhile for us to have the relentless drive to continue to strive to say yes to other people's dreams, to say to other people's dreams, come true, and, and believe that around the world. Amen? OK, so that's number one. Number two is long-sighted vision. For us to be able to say to the dream that God's giving us, come true, it's going to take vision past even just our lifetime. I had you say it out loud, but the word descendants is used multiple times in the passage. Descendants, descendants, descendants. So that is to say that God's showing Jacob uh, things that he then wants to resource with a relentless drive, following God's examples, that would, example that, that would not happen, many of them, in his lifetime. Abraham was told, you're going to have descendants like the sand. Guess what? Abraham's dead. Still hasn't happened yet. Isaac was promised, you're going to have descendants. Jacob now is being told, hey, I'm going to be with you. Descendants, remember? Descendants, remember? Descendants, remember? Stand like the sea, blessing to the whole world. Reach Montana and Oregon and Wyoming, all of that. So will you give towards what you won't actually walk in? Will you give towards to set the stage for what's to come? Will you be a part of something that may not directly benefit you in your lifetime? It's a commitment to legacy. It's a belief that God's doing something bigger than just you. Can you only get excited? about things that directly connect to you. Wow. I've had pastors tell me, you know, hey, when we, we, we only see people give if I tell them exactly how it's going to bless their kids, exactly how we're going to expand the, the nursery so their babies get a more plush ride. And, uh, and, and, and I think that's ridiculous. I think we are a church that's always existed to change things for people that we don't even, we don't even directly get to see it. Could we, could we fight for a campus we'll never go to? Could we, have a faith to say, I'm going to extend the reach of this ministry, even if it is not for my kids, but it's to reach the kids kids of my kids. Can we have that spirit? Descendants. I love this Greek proverb, and I've had it written down on a card on my desk throughout this whole series, and it's this. It's, it's a society flourishes when old men plant seeds of trees that they'll never sit under their shade. And I wonder, can we, like Jacob, have a belief in us resourcing a ladder that that may not be finished until the coming days? Can we say, hey, beyond just what we're dreaming about in this series? Could we say, hey, I want to see the real estate. I want to see the buildings bought for the next $20 million worth of projects so that that's not an issue. Can I say to Lennox one day, hey, you'll be able to actually just be a part of just doing the real work of ministry and getting some water to people because you're not having to worry about renting a building and throwing money away to a landlord every month. We took care of that for you. I'm going to tell my kids it's pretty popular right now on the internet. I'm going to tell my kids. A picture of the Three Stooges is the Dallas Cowboys, right? Stuff like that, right? I'm going to tell my kids, and it's a picture of like Mater from Toy Story. I'm going to tell my kids, this is the Tesla truck, right? How about this? I'm going to tell my kids, we took down some giants, so they're not a problem for you. I'm going to tell my kids, we went ahead and took care of that. Now you can just walk into what God has for you, because we went ahead and bought the building. We went ahead and got some land. We went ahead and took care of some of those things so your friends have a place to bring their friends. They don't need to overdose. They don't need to take their lives. They don't need to live a life of anxiety and narcissism. We went ahead and took care of that because we had a mind towards a legacy. And we're expanding the reach, and we're looking ahead. I, I, just, I just wonder if, if, if in your heart, there's the same kind of passion Jesus said there should be when, when a woman loses a, a coin or a shepherd loses a sheep. Or a father loses a son. Could we care about the, the youth of this country like we would care about it if it was our child, our kid? Our, they're all someone's kid. We were in a mall the other day, and my uh, daughter, she lost a bracelet. And I was reminded of that Luke 15 parable about the woman sweeping the whole house frantically to find the coin. And because uh, Livy's bracelet not only fell off her wrist and bounced on the floor, it fell down on an elevator shaft. And it wasn't just like a bracelet, like, oh, we'll go to Claire's and get you another one, honey. Right? It was it was a bracelet that a, a couple in in her life gave her uh, during her rite of passage ceremony. When she turned 13, we planned this wave to honor and celebrate her becoming a woman and becoming an adult. And we asked the women that she respects to speak life over her, and there were some challenges she had to face, cliff jumping and some different things, and she had to go into a grocery store and buy food for strangers, and just some things that would cause her uh, to, to realize there's a, a weight and a responsibility to being a woman, but there's also blessings to it. And so there's this whole day, and it ended beautifully and with tears. And anyhow, some these, these friends of hers that live in Atlanta sent her a bracelet just to honor her and speak life over her. And our, our heart behind it was like, hey, there's going to come some day when some joker in your school is going to make you feel unvaluable, but you'll have in your heart written on it, imprinted on it, words that much cooler people have spoken over you. You know who you are, so you don't have to worry about who you're not. So this was, a, this was a serious bracelet to fall down the elevator shaft. You know, and she's got tears. And you know, we're talking to store employees. But they're like, yeah, it's not happening. Right? It's an elevator, right? And so we sort of went our way. But like, if there's anything you can do. And meanwhile, we ate lunch. And as we ate lunch, they chased us down. And, and holding in their hands was this bracelet. And this, this, this guy named Oscar, I will forever be on Team Oscar. Oscar was not a grouch on this day. My god, he went above and beyond. Check this out. Tools. You tried these different ones, but this is the one that
2: worked, huh? Oh my the, first, the, first, the first time I made it dropped, so it went under, so I had to get to some twist then. Oh, my gosh. It and, yeah. That
0: is commitment right there, ladies and gentlemen. Oscar fished Livvy's bracelet out of the elevator shaft, fell five feet down. That okay. man right here. Appreciate it, bro. Come on. Team Oscar. Team Oscar. I'm on Team Oscar. We got invited him to church, and, and he wasn't able to come. So we sent him the YouTube link, and we were able to just give him, give him a little gift to bless him. And Liv, I made Livy hug him. And just like, <laughs> you hug that man. And uh, I'll tell you what, um, that wasn't his bracelet and it didn't benefit him. But he fought hard for something that was not his own. Come on, let's fight hard with a long-sighted vision. Come on, let's, let's sow some seeds. We may never sit under the trees, but that's OK. May our sons and our daughters and our, our great grandchildren see uh, and, and speak of. May 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 they may they bump into rocks that, repre- that represent our our sacrifice. Yes. May they bump into rocks. What what's that? How'd this building here? Well here there's some people that believed. And I hope that's our story. Long side of vision. And then thirdly, we're almost done here with this non sermon. Um, if we're gonna see the dream come true, it's gonna take angel investors. Angel investors. And that's so perfect because in the story, there's this ladder and ascending and descending. There were angels, but the connection is profound because... When someone has a dream of a company, or a dream of a business, or an entrepreneur has an idea but no resources. And traditional VC firms want nothing to do with it because it's too risky, or too crazy, or too stupid, or too wild, or too head in the clouds. Someone who steps in and is willing to, to, to lay down, putting their money where their mouth is re- resources, resources <laughs> for this dream to become a reality, there's a term for it, and they call it that person acting as an angel an angel investing. And the origin of that is from Broadway, when a theatrical production wasn't going to make it, but someone bankrolled it so it could keep going. They called that person their, their angel, their guardian angel. And so I love this idea that Jacob's dream that God gave him of a ladder, a connection point from earth to heaven that was covered with angels. When he saw it, he was so overcome with it, his response was to say, whatever you give me for the rest of my life, first 10%, I'm going straight back to you. Why? Because I want the dream to come true. I want to invest in the thing with the angels. Come on, I want, I want this to keep happening. So whatever you give me, the first and the best, I'm going to give to you an offering starting now. What do I got? I got this rock. All right, I'll use that. He had nothing, but that didn't keep him from doing something. He would have easily been able to say, I want the house of God thing to come true. I want there to be a house of God so people can meet with God, like I just met with God. I want, I want the house to be built. I want it to happen, but I got nothing. Let me go work for Laban for a while. When I have more money, then I'll do more. He said, "No, I'm gonna put the first stone now. I'm gonna pour one out for the homies. I want to have the encounter I've had. You know what? It's gonna be something. I'm gonna put a rock down. Yeah, maybe next year I'll put a, I'll, I'll bring a backhoe in here. Maybe next year we'll lay concrete. Maybe next year I'll be able to afford some rebar. But I'm gonna put, I'm gonna start." Smoking all. It's going to be a humble beginning, but I'm going to do something. And I'm telling you something. God never calls you to do what you can't, but he calls every one of us to do what we can. And you may not be able to give what someone else can give, but that's okay. It means something to God if it's a sacrifice to you. The key is that we're all holding our gifts saying, this is weighty. Not flippant, not pat, not token, but relentless drive, remember? Relentless drive, long-sighted vision. Angel investors, if we all do this, I believe we will see heaven come to earth. I believe we will see miracles. I believe we will see God do wondrous things in our midst. And I have every reason to believe this is going to happen because we've seen Him do it before. One year ago today, at this time, I was standing on the stage and uh, I looked into all your faces all across our church and our online community. And I said, hey, I got a dream. And that dream is for us to open a church in a prison. It seemed crazy, seemed impossible. The Department of Corrections was open to the idea. But we said and declared in faith, without the resources for it, didn't have the money for it, we want to open a church in a prison. And you all gave. And I gave. We all together gave. And because of that gift, that dream came true. So there's no reason. There's no reason to believe that God won't do it again. Check this out.
3: My life has been pretty much just a revolving door being in and out of prison since I was about 12 years old. I was introduced to drugs and alcohol at a very young age. I was exposed to pornography, it was a mess. My young mind became a mess. It just pretty much put the brakes on my coping skills in life. I didn't have a bad family, I had a good loving family. I was raised in the church. My mom was a piano player in the church. My dad was a called preacher at one time. So I've known about Jesus all my life. I took that for granted, I took God for granted, you know, and I, I made my own choices in life. I was, I was a bad guy, you know, I was a robber, I was a drug addict, you know, I was a thief, I was a liar. Violence, you know, I used to like to lift weights to get big and I wanted people to be scared of me, you know. It's a big mass that I put over myself around about, probably about 20 years of my life in and out of correctional facilities. Started mixing around with
4: the wrong crowd when I was younger. You know, I fell into uh, drugs and uh, addiction and kind of got into the gang life. Yeah, I just started robbing people when at a young age. And I ended up going to prison over it. Uh, when I was 17 years old, I went to prison. Went to prison for three years. Got out, did good, started a family. I tried to avoid going to church as much as I could. It just wasn't my thing. Things started going downhill for me. Uh, I started going back to drugs. You know, uh, old habits, old friends and uh, ended going back to prison.
3: This last time in prison was probably like about the seventh time in prison. Three states, you know, I was in, I've been in prison. I was in a place called Fish Row in Deer Lodge, Montana, which is basically the armpit of Montana prison system. You do a couple, three months in there at the most before they put you out into population. Usually they have roommates, you have cellmates there, and I had a good month there where I... I was by myself so i just pressed into god's word again basically i probably got a a serious healthy fear of the lord and i know the word says the fear of the lord is the beginning of understanding and i i got that fear and i knew that i needed god i've always come back to god i'd come back to god over and over and over but then i'd you know i'd get done with doing what i had to do and i'd get out and life's still out there the world's still out there you know we don't have really a lot of temptations in prison. Many times I've left God at the prison door, walk outside the bro, okay, I'm out now, boom, I'm gonna go do my thing. Just having lost my family and all the years of the ridiculousness of that life, which was no life, and I knew this was it. I knew that I couldn't play games with God anymore. I knew that I needed to give my heart to the Lord, And. Uh, stopped playing games with God because I knew it was my last shot.
4: See Deer, Deer Lodge is a is a dark place. It's still making bad choices in there. you know I mean uh, it's a hard crowd to be with. I got back into the gang life. I was just kind of hopeless going down a dark road, didn't
3: didn't know which way to go, didn't care which way to go. just didn't care.
4: I gave up on life, I guess.
3: When I was out, I was probably out in population about three weeks, and guys were telling me about this new church, Fresh Life, you know, and it was on a Tuesday night. So it didn't interfere with my weightlifting program, because Tuesdays is a day off I took anyway, so I never missed a Tuesday. I was recruiting as much as I could, people to come to Fresh Life from prison, you know, and we, you know, a lot of guys, you know, come to Fresh Life service. It's because the Holy Spirit is there. Buddy, my Marshall that I knew, he showed up and
4: uh, you know saying, "Hey man, you need to need to come check out this new church here in the prison." And I was, "Nah, church isn't my thing. You know, it's it's not what I do. It's just not not me." But he was uh, very persistent. He's like, "Every week, man, you gotta come. You gotta come." And so I actually lost a bet to him. And uh, he's like, "Well, now you gotta go to church." And I said, "All right, I'll go once." God sent me Marshall. You know, me Marshall and Fresh Life, and you know, I mean, I, I loved the message. I, I felt like I connected with with the pastor. You know, it was it wasn't like a conventional church like like I had in my mind, like a sit there, hands closed, and you know, it's all about the Bible. I mean, I could actually relate to what the pastor was talking about, and it actually uh, kind of opened my eyes up a little bit. When you have you know, people that have hurt people, people that have robbed people, drug dealers, praising to the Lord, singing at the top of their lungs. I mean, it, it'll bring tears to your eyes. It was a, a break from reality of where I was at in such a dark place. I mean, it was, it was a light in a tunnel.
1: Of course, there's a lot of hype when something new comes to the prison. Um, so you get really excited, seeing a lot of guys being there. That hasn't stopped. We see about 90 guys to 100 a week come. And the other day, we had a room, um, over 90 guys, and I asked uh, the person who oversees uh, that event, I said, um, why is there so many guys here tonight? And she asked one of the guards and said, um, is there the gym tonight? And he says, yeah. She was, is there hobbies tonight? And he says, yeah. And she says, these guys want to be here. I'm telling you, when they come in, they're so thankful and excited that we're there. They they say
3: over and over, thank you for being here, thank you for being here, thank you for being here. Yeah, I got out of got out of there and came to Butte, Montana. I picked Butte, Montana. It was a place I'd never been. And the very first Sunday that I was able to come to church, I walked in the Fresh Life door. I knew I was where I was supposed to be. He's putting my life back together. You know, I work full time. I got two jobs now working, and and it's an honor to be to be here in God's house. I didn't, when I was in, in Fresh Life Deer
4: Lodge, I didn't think that I would get out of prison and go to Fresh Life Butte. That was, that wasn't on my radar at all. Once again, I followed Marshall. Marshall was here, I mean, he's like my 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 angel that just follows me everywhere and drags me back in. He says, come on. I'm starting to build a better relationship with people, with myself especially. I have a purpose, I have a meaning. I have something to look forward to every week. You know, I have, I love myself. I can actually look at myself in the mirror now and, and actually smile at myself and, you know, and, and enjoy the man I see. I have a support group now that I never really had. You know, I mean, if, if I'm having a rough day, I mean, somebody's one phone call away, I can call. I'm happier. I'm out of prison. I mean,
3: <laughs> I didn't think that was ever gonna happen. The whole time I was there waiting to, to get out and be able to come into Fresh Life, I knew that I wanted to be baptized and I wanted to rededicate my life outwardly. I got baptized like the second or third Sunday after I was out because I knew I needed to be baptized. And it wasn't the first time I'd been baptized. You know, I've been baptized, but I knew that I, I knew that that old guy was gone for, for good. And I wanted to rededicate my life to the Lord. And they played a song called New Wine from Hillsong, you know, in the crushing, in the pressing. Jesus is making new wine out of me. He came into my heart again and cleaned me up and has been putting me back together ever since. I'm thankful. God is good. He's been really good to me, and I'm expecting great things. I
4: still have a lot more changing to do. It's like I I tell my friends, "Like, why do you go to church? I mean, you've done all this stuff in your life. I mean, why now?" The way I look at it is, hearing Levi's messages and and all the other campus pastors' messages. I mean, it's like a plugging my cell phone in to recharge it. I mean, it's it gets me through the week. when I go home on Sunday, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, all right, well, next Sunday I get to come back. Through the week, I, mean, I see myself taper off, but then you just gotta grab my Fresh Life Bible, you know, sit there and take a minute, do some reading, and, and, and from Sunday to Sunday, I, I see progression every week through my faith and uh, just the change in myself of who I was and, and who I am now. From going from robbing people and hurting people to becoming part of a church, and actually helping out my community, volunteering, I mean, it's, it's amazing, it's a miracle,
1: it truly is. And by those who serve there at the campus, um, those who have financially given to make that possible, um, those who, who give up their time, their talents and their treasure uh, to be a part of what God's doing there, you're truly changing the entire state of Montana and changing families across all of our different campuses. Please give more.
4: I mean, when you could take some two men from prison, you know, that have spent several years in prison and get baptized in fresh life. I mean, that's a, that's an impact that I wish every inmate, every prisoner in the United States could have, every person in the world could have. Somebody who actually cares enough to believe in them to take time out of their day to come. You know, give them the service, give them the Lord, you know, give them resources that they need in, in such a negative place. They give them something to hold on to a light. I mean, please don't stop. I mean, the world needs more people like that.
0: So yeah, right? Come on, let's thank God. Yeah. The dream came true. That's a dream come true. That's a dream come true. God showed it to us. And we said dream come true, and it did. And, and that's why I say we're not done. I love that, that, that Dustin said Marshall is his angel. And, uh, and, and that's, that's what God's calling us all to be. You know, and God's calling Dustin and Marshall to participate in this offering however they can. We're not just all receivers. We're not just all consumers, church online family. We're not just there to get a blessing and a goose bump every message. Oh, messages are so good. Now let's, let's, let's extend the reach. Let's, let's, let's be the angel. We, we all need angels. Thank God for the fact that people have been angels to us, but now we get to be angels. And whether we have a lot, we have a little, we can all bring it together and put our five loaves and two fishes into Jesus's hands and watch him do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or think or imagine.